You are listening to The Partner Podcast, relevant information to enhance the careers and improve the lives of partner-level attorneys. Produced by The Attorney Search Group, we grow law firms and accelerate attorney careers. Visit us on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. Hi, this is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me on The Partner Podcast. Our guest today is Anna Rappaport. Anna is a former lawyer who has been coaching for over 19 years and helps lawyers overcome both the external and internal obstacles to business development. Anna is the co-chair of the American Bar Association's Lawyer Leadership and Management Committee on the Leadership Council of the ABA Dispute Resolution Section and is on the faculty of the Leadership Council on Legal Diversity. Anna publishes in Law Practice Today and the National Law Review and speaks around the country on various career and business development topics. Anna also has extensive international experience, having worked in Japan, Thailand, and most recently, Turkey. Hey, everyone. We've got Anna Rappaport on today's show talking about business development, moving from reluctance to enthusiasm for law firm partners. Anna, I'm excited to have you on the show today. Thanks. I'm delighted to be here. So I really like your profile. I like the fact that you uh, roll up your sleeves and work closely with law firms, that that's your area where you specialize. And you've seen a lot of people that do business development. So tell me, why do you think, from your experience, why do you think so many lawyers avoid business development? Well, I mean, I really think there's kind of three fundamental things. The first is like a lot of people just don't like the idea of sales. And I mean, we can talk more about that, but it's just, there's this fundamental bias against it as a concept, right? If you go out and ask the average person how, what they associate with sales, right? Most people think, you know, pushy, Mm -hmm. sleazy, manipulative. So of course, lawyers are going to have that issue as well, which makes them not really want to do it. The second thing is sometimes people like, have what I think of as kind of a shaky foundation. So, you know, if, if you are sort of out there theoretically trying to get business, but at the same time, you're not totally committed to the firm that you're mm-hmm. at, or you feel like your, you know, your team is kind of shaky, you don't really have as much faith in them as you, as you ought to, or you look at the partners in your firm and you think, well, you know, they may be rich, but I do not want that kind of life, (laughs) right? If like any of those kinds of things are going on in the background, that's going to really undermine your commitment and your focus and your ability to to move yourself forward in business development. And then the, the third thing that in terms of like the main areas that I see is, is perfectionism. So lawyers right? Being a perfectionist is a really great skill in many, many ways when it comes to the law. But marketing is really different from writing a brief or, you know, other aspects of legal practice. So it just doesn't serve you to to try and get it perfect because the nature of it is that, you know, different relationships are not a matter of perfection. Relationships are a matter of getting to know people and adapting right. to the moment. So, it, you know, like you go in with this, oh, I'm rigidly needing to be this way or that way or send the perfect email. Well, you know, a lot of it isn't about whether it's perfect or not. It's just a matter of getting it done. So, you know, perfectionism can be a major obstacle for business development. 
And I can absolutely see that with the people that I talk to all day, the partners. And the sad thing is, and I've talked to several successful partners that don't have client ownership. And many times they say, I want to move, but I can't because I don't have any client ownership. Well, what have you done for business development? And they just haven't taken the time to do that. And then they don't realize it until it's too late. And, and then they struggle. I sometimes wonder if it might be a self-esteem issue or how they see themselves. They don't want to be pushy. They don't want to be unctuous. They don't want to be smarmy. They don't want to be seen as somebody who's slick, like you mentioned with sales. But then you see other successful rainmakers that have obviously figured out a way to kind of get their hands around that and mentally their head around that. What do you think separates those people that are truly successful? What, what do you think they've done or what do you think their attitude or their motivation has been that's different compared to somebody that just doesn't have a large book? I mean, I think there's something about the people who, for whom it comes fairly naturally, they just have a very different sort of fundamental attitude. And, you know, I mean, the truth is some of those people are, are not that nice, you know, mm-hmm. and then other people in the firm look at those people who are spectacularly successful and then they think, wow, like, heck. <laughs> like if that's what it takes, I don't think I want to be that kind of lawyer you know, which can be really unfortunate. But obviously there, there's also people who are extraordinarily successful and they are successful not because of, you know, being manipulative or anything like that, but because, you know, they are successful because they have found a niche that really works and they've mm. just been really effective. So, I mean, you go out and you become the expert in something and that, that area of law that area of practice becomes really highly in demand, you're going to have a practice that goes through the roof, right? It's not about if you're out there trying to sell yourself or not, it's just going to happen pretty naturally. So, I mean, that's certainly the ideal. But I think the thing is, you know, for finding those opportunities is, you know, a lot of people, when they sit down and think about it, you know, a lot of lawyers can figure out where those opportunities may lie. Right. And it takes a ton of courage <laughs> to actually pursue something like that. So I, I've seen some people, and this is what's interesting because I, I get people to let me peek behind the curtain and let me learn about your success or why you are not where you want to be. And I would, and I haven't even thought about this, we could probably segment them into certain categories. Some people, they have come out of government with a nice title. And they have done something within their career that has caused them to earn distinction and uniqueness. And because of that specialized career history, they get the call. I've seen other people that don't have that. So they have to kind of be a little bit more scrappy, write articles, go out and speak. And they have to really build that platform. I've seen other people, for example, white collar partners that work, used to work in the Southern District that have good relationships still there where they get a lot of business from that. And other people, they have just done so well with their clients that their clients refer business to them. And they haven't had to be as intentional nor as deliberate about building that brand of expertise. Do you think that's kind of an accurate way to segment the people that that are successful in building their practices? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think you're right on target. I think the other thing to think about is that, you know, I mean, as with all things, part of it is luck and part of it is, you know, hard work slash what you do with that luck. Because there's definitely people who come out of, you know, come out of government or come out of, you know, uh, maybe in-house somewhere and, and move to a law firm 
and everyone's thinking, oh, this person has these great connections. It's going to really turn into something. Mm. But they just don't, they just aren't leveraging it. Right. And then it becomes an issue where, you know, they're not going to last that long at the firm. You know, they're going to have to find something else to do. So it isn't only, <laughs> you know, like we can't attribute it 100% to the circumstances because you really have to be willing to step up and, and you know, maybe have those conversations or make those requests or, you know, take those appropriate actions. Right. So what's the secret? How does somebody get from where they are today to where they need to be with growing a large book of business? What, what do you think, like if you start at motivation, how do you see motivation playing into something like this? Well, I, I see motivation as it's the starting point. If you don't have motivation, you know, you may as well go home and, and do something else, you know, go find a different job. But as I see it, there's really two fundamental kinds of motivation. There's the generalized motivation, which is about, uh, do you really want this, right? Like, do you really want to create a successful book of business? And if you have that level of motivation, you're, you're in good shape, right? Like I can work with you. <laughs> right. you. You can work with somebody else. You can go out and, and make this happen. There's this other aspect of motivation though, where I think people, people will maybe beat themselves up for being unmotivated because they're not doing a cert- taking a certain action. So I think people stop themselves a lot because of these issues we talked about earlier around mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I want to, to do business development, but gosh, I just really hate going out and asking people to work with me. I really hate going out and, you know, telling people, oh yes, I can do it. I can, you know, not that they'd say exactly, I want to win your case, right? Because that's not appropriate in many situations. (laughs) But like, oh, absolutely. Yes. That is absolutely in my area of experience. You know, I've had, had clients who are, you know, they're very precise in their language. And if, like just because you're an environmental lawyer and yes, you can do whatever this case is that someone may be asking about, they still might be feeling concerned. Like they just don't have right. like, okay, well, I've done one of those cases before, but I, it's not like my bread and butter. It's not the thing I do every day. So I know I can do it, but am I really comfortable going out and saying to someone, yes, absolutely. I can do this. This is totally my area of expertise. Right? Like people sort of pull themselves back. So if, if what you're talking about is people like holding themselves back in ways like that, right? Like where they just, they don't want to be, you know, sleazy or they don't want to be dishonest or they don't want to misrepresent something. If, if that's what you're talking about, then like those are things that I think get in the way of motivation. Right. So I'm sorry, I don't think I'm saying this well. <laughs> well, I, I, think, I think you brought up some great points. And I sometimes wonder if many times it could be a self-esteem issue. And I'm not saying lawyers have low self-esteem, but I just know people. And I know that all of us have this inner voice, this inner critic. You're never going to be successful. You're going to be an imposter. And I just wonder if for some people that in itself causes them and keeps them from reaching their full potential because they don't want to face that risk of rejection. And it's amazing how I've seen some remarkable attorneys that are successful partners, both men and women, that are not even close to what they could achieve if they just were able to take a few more risks. And I don't mean risks like being foolish, but I mean like, Mm -hmm. like calling that trade association and getting published and asking somebody to introduce you to them 
and to put you in for a plenary session for a conference and not being afraid to be known as the preeminent expert. I, I've told you this before, but other people listening that uh, I've come to know on this show, they might not have known I used to own a training company for recruiting firms. So I've taught people in professional services, client development. And one of my, one of my beliefs is that relationship selling is only partly effective because your clients aren't looking for, your client prospects aren't looking for another friend. <laughs> They're looking for someone to solve problems. And once you know how to answer the question of why you are distinct and unique and how you can solve that problem, which impacts them and communicating in a way by showing that you can solve that problem in a way that impacts them personally and emotionally, then at that point, the walls are up. You have to articulate how you can solve that problem. And the more people you can get that message in front of through speaking and writing, uh, being a guest on podcasts, things like that, then you have something that people can start talking about. But I think you're absolutely right. I think some people, it's just the motivation. I'd actually like to respond to that. Sure. Um, so I think, you know, what you're pointing to with the, with the self-esteem, I mean, sort of fundamentally, I, I agree with you, but I would articulate it differently. Mm-hmm. Because I think, you know, when you say self-esteem, you know, people in our modern society tend to kind of self-diagnose right. <laughs> and sort of do this pop psychology thing. And it's really easy to just say like, oh, you know, it's self-esteem or, oh, I'm not motivated. But really, a lot of the time, what causes people to be unmotivated or, you know, occur like they have lack of self-esteem is that there's something that's not clear. You know, people often have different concepts collapsed, like they have, oh, being pushy or being a, an arrogant jerk collapsed with saying, oh yes, I can do that. Absolutely. I could, you know, like I can work on your case. Mm. You know, that's totally my area of expertise. Like those are very different things, right? Like pushy is an interpretation. Being um, arrogant is an interpretation. The other thing is giving, you know, like making a, like a factual statement, right? right? And yet we get these ideas like, oh, I'm bad at this, you know, like, oh, I'm bad at networking because I am an introvert or something like right. that. Whereas lots of introverts can be great at networking. They sit down and have really deep conversations with people. And Absolutely they, right. You know, like, so I, th- I think it's, it's more a matter of where, you know, like absolutely courageous action is necessary, but I would assert that whether someone can take courageous action or not really isn't about self-esteem. It's more a matter of clarity and practice. Mm, That's brilliant. I think if somebody takes hold of that concept and they say, this is good, this gives me some, some confidence and I want to start taking efforts to building that brand, to doing more effective client development, what are a few action steps you'd recommend somebody if they haven't done much in the way of business development? Where do you think they would start? What would be a couple of tactical ideas you would give to them? Well, I mean, I think the whole idea of building courage is or building skill in that area, just kind of practicing doing things that feel a little bit scary is good. So, you know, if it's scary for someone to go to a networking event by themselves, great, go try it, right? I mean, you don't want to, you know, if something is just too high a bar, then, then fine, do something that's, that's a little bit lower bar or right. you know, go to that networking event with a friend or a colleague. 
or you know, reach out to that trade association, whatever. Ask for an introduction to someone there if that's easier, right? Like you look for something that's going to maybe feel like a little bit of a stretch. But I think where people get stuck is when they're not taking action. They're not having conversations. They're not reaching out. They're not doing anything significant. And I mean, I think this is one of those areas where like social media, for example, it, for some people, it can be a really effective tool. For other people, it can be sort of a form of hiding. <laughs> like they feel like they're doing something, but they're not really connecting with people. It's important for people to just take action. Also, just having conversations with people. Like mm. if you want to have a conversation with a prospective client, but that feels like too high a bar, reach out. And if you don't have a coach, Maybe there's somebody in your firm who's also working on practicing business development. You can reach out to them and say, hey, let's, let's sit down and brainstorm about how to have this conversation or let's do a practice conversation. There's a lot of things that we can do that partners can do or prospective partners can do to develop the skill. And I think people just sort of feel like it's like a black and white issue. Like, oh, either you're great at this or you're not, as opposed to looking at it like they would like any other skill that they were developing, where it's a matter of you go out and you take actions. Oh, did it work? Did it not work? What do I have to learn from this? How can I move forward? Anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. Absolutely. And I mean, I think the other thing to remember is that everybody has strengths in this area and everybody has weaknesses, right? Like some people are fantastic at developing the, you know, rapport with people, which is wonderful. You know, other people are great at closing. Also wonderful. Like very few people have, you know, the ability to remember names and faces and they have the ability to sit down and have really constructive forward-looking conversations about how they can help you and they do research and understand, you know, like nobody has the full picture. So it's a matter of looking at what you do have and then figuring out how to leverage it. So I'm kind of curious on a What's your story? How did you get into this area of coaching lawyers on business development? Well, you know, when I first started my coaching practice, you know, people would suggest that I focus on business development with lawyers because, you know, I am a lawyer and it sort of seemed like a sensible thing to do. And I had no desire to do it. I just thought it sounded so boring Mm -hmm. and like, and I had no credibility for myself, right? I was just going out and starting my own practice. And even though I'd been doing coaching for seven years already, I was just starting my business myself. So like, I just didn't really, I didn't have faith that I was going to be able to do it. But you know, what happened was over time, I really, obviously I developed my own skills in business development, which helps, but also my clients who are lawyers sooner or later, right? Regardless of what their starting point was sooner or later, they would want to talk about business development. Right. And so I really realized there is so much potential for personal growth in this area. I think, you know, people don't usually come to me specifically like, oh, I want to grow as a person, right? Like that's not why they're coming. <laughs> they're up to something, right? right. Growing their firm, they're tripling their book of business. Like they're doing something that really, it takes something and it takes something more than just hard work. Right. Like hard work, obviously that's a given, but you know, and maybe a better strategy, which, you know, that's also a fun area to talk about, (laughs) but it's more than that, right? It really takes expanding your view of yourself or of other people or of the world, (laughs) right? Which that may sound too abstract, but like the bottom line is I thought coaching for business development wouldn't be fun, Mm -hmm. but it's actually awesome. (laughs) (laughs) 
And, you know, and the other thing I guess is I realized that a lot of people who, who do this, who coach lawyers on business development come from a very different background and a different perspective than I do. Right. So actually, there's something different that I'm bringing to the market that really there isn't, that really isn't there. Well, I like your style and I think it fits well, especially with the more sophisticated partners where they've got a real delicate process. Uh, they don't want to be seen as being someone who is not transparent, nor uh, do they want to be seen as being too aggressive. So I think your personal style fits in with what a lot of the larger firms are looking for in terms of a resource. And so tell me then, what are some of the menu items of offerings that you have to somebody that who's listening today? Uh, who can help that person increase their their business development skills and their uh, client development strategy? Well, I mean, I do one-on-one coaching. I also do, I work with groups. You know, sometimes it makes sense for, you know, for a practice group to sit down as a group and really think through, you know, what's an appropriate strategy given their place in the firm and, you know, other other factors. So that can be a really fun and interesting thing to do in part because there's a lot that goes into it. Part of it is strategy and part of it is looking at communication and compensation and other topics that are, are, are pretty delicate, but mm-hmm. that most of the time get pushed to the background. And I think even your role, you told me about the, the LCLD. What's the name of that organization and your involvement with that? Leadership Council on Legal Diversity. So what I am now for this year, I'm on faculty for the first time with the Congratulations. Council on Legal Diversity. Thank you. It is an amazing organization for anyone who um, is interested in diversity. If you haven't uh, heard of this, you, sh- you should look it up. They have these wonderful programs. The one that I'm going to be working with this year is the Fellows Program, which basically brings in one diverse lawyer from huge, like a huge number of law firms, and then one in two diverse lawyers from a huge number of, of really uh, prominent companies. And they bring them all together for three different trainings throughout the year, uh, three sort of conference style trainings where there's networking and, wow. and presentations and things like that. And what I'm going to be doing is a series of webinars for them on the topic of asking for feedback. Because this is one of those areas, and you know, we were talking about developing courage. And this is one of the reasons I think asking for feedback is is such an incredibly valuable activity to engage in. Because asking for feedback is is really scary. It takes courage to do that. And and yet the feedback that we get, whether it's from clients or whether it's from people we work with, can be completely life-altering, right? It makes you aware of the things that you, you know, you thought that the biggest problem was that, you know, you were worried that maybe you didn't work hard enough when in fact they think you work plenty hard. But the issue is that sometimes you speak in a way that is less professional than they would like. Right, and then they don't want to give you certain opportunities because they thought you weren't speaking professionally. You had no idea until you asked. Right, right so right. and this this completely applies with with clients as well. You you want to know what makes you stand out. You know, if you're you're trying to refine your niche, ask your clients what they they appreciate about you. And while you're at it, find out what are things that you could do even better that your firm could do it even better. I knew one firm that would have a client meeting where they'd invite their clients, all of their clients in for a conference and ask their clients to give them feedback in an open forum, which I thought was brilliant because it bonds their clients. They're investing. 
they flew, they're, they're meeting other clients of that same firm. So they're bonding with them. So I thought that was kind of an innovative approach. Absolutely. I mean, I think there's no wrong way to do this. Uh, it's one of those areas that, you know, people talk about it. People are talking about it more and more. Um, but when you, you talk to people in-house, they pretty much say, yeah, I've hardly ever had anybody ask right. for feedback. So obviously it's happening to some extent, but not nearly as much as it could. And I mean, this doesn't need to just be with clients, right? I mean, obviously there's tons of value in doing that, but even just asking for feedback from, you know, family members or from friends on, you know, what really works about how you operate in the world and what really, you know, what are some things that maybe you could work on? It's, it might not seem that scary, but you sit down to have that conversation and, and it takes something. And the more agility or facility you have around having conversations that feel a little bit delicate, the stronger you're going to be at business development. I mean, it's, it's not a direct, right. you know, it's not the exact same skill, but there's, there's a ton of overlap. So it's all, also good from that perspective. That's great, Anna. You've got a lot of ideas that I think law firms can benefit from. If they wanted to reach out to you, if they wanted to bring you in to speak at a partner's retreat or at a trade association, or to consult with them, how, how can they reach you? And we'll also put your website link on our show notes. Great. Yeah, I mean, just reaching out through my website is, is the best way to reach me at accelerationcoaching.com, E-X-C-E-L-L-E-R-A-T-I-O-N, coaching.com. And I'm located in the DC area, but um, I'm always willing to travel when we've got exciting, <laughs> you know, <laughs> exciting opportunities. That's great. Well, Anna, thank you so much for being on the show and let's have you back in a few months and talk about accountability and feedback. I think that'd be another topic that could be relevant to what partners do all day at work. I would love to. Thanks. Sounds great. Thank you, Anna. Thanks. Thanks for joining me. And if you have ideas or recommendations for this podcast, please email me at scott at attorneysearchgroup.com. For more information about the Attorney Search Group and the services I offer as a sports agent for partners who want to find a better platform, visit me on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.